Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. These are the Casey Tapes. You, man, and Favaz explore the backstories and interviews heard on Casey, the longest running rock station in the country. Hello, everybody. It's the Casey Tapes podcast. John Hewlett and Favaz. We do the morning show at Casey 95 in St. Louis. All right, today we're doing another interview that Favaz did with a member of Rush. This time it's Alex Lifeson. The guitar player. Um, and, and another interview where I totally forgot that I talked to him. I think mm-hmm. it was the only time I've ever interviewed him. Um, it's on Reel to Reel Machine, uh, the Reel to Reel tape. And I have no idea why, what Rush mm-hmm. record could have been he, uh, he could have been promoting or, or whatever. And You know the time frame? Yeah, it was uh, twelve one ninety eight. I've got it actually written on the box. So um, you know, uh, to speak to any member of Rush, I've never spoken to Neil. I've interviewed Getty a bunch of times, and we've had Getty on the uh, the Casey tapes. But uh, to you, just feel kind of like dumb. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And even with interviewing Alex, you know, even though I did it over the phone, you just feel like uh, don't say anything stupid. You know? Yeah, right, right. And they're probably not like that, but you just feel that, you mm-hmm. know, so. And the other interesting thing about this is, that, as Favaz says, this is on a reel-to-reel tape done in 1998. Favaz is speaking into a high-quality microphone. Uh, Lifeson is on the phone, and he sounds better than you do. Way better. In terms I, of quality I don't of know what recording. the deal is. What the hell could be? Uh, I don't know. That's not the first time this has happened. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. All right, so here we go. This is episode 140 of the Casey Tapes. Two, one two one two one two three. Check 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 check. One two three, one two three one two three one two three. Good counter. Hey, he can count. Yeah, musicians got to be able to count. One two three four. <laughs> one two three four. Do it. Okay. You can hear me fine. Yeah. Okay. I'm surprised you didn't say you're a little muddy. Her. Taking a deep breath before every interview. That's what every good go. interviewer yes, does. Yes, yes. Deep I was breath. Preparing myself. In through the nose, out through the mouth. So obviously this is going to be taped, and we'll just probably cut it up and play parts back. So if I right. say fucker, you say fuck. It's no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> We're not live. Oh, encouraging cussing. Yes, on the phone. Encouraging right. some curse words. Yes. Okay, Favaz from KC ninety five with me on the phone is. Alex Lifeson of Rush, the guitarist. Alex, good morning. How are you, man? I'm great. And you? I'm doing fine. Where, where are you calling? You calling from home today? I'm or? calling from home, just outside of Toronto. That's nice. What's it like up there right now? It's a beautiful fall day. The sun is shining. It's about 40 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, a little bit of wind, but uh, it's a gorgeous day. Wow, yeah. no barometric pressure or anything yeah, like that? Yeah, he knew he, it, he, man. He knew it, yeah. <laughs> he got up and checked the weather forecast before the interview. Uh, that would be almost golf weather, don't you think? Sure. In Canada? Yeah, absolutely. It's short sleeve shirt weather. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about golf later. Okay. We're, we're talking to Alex about the new Rush Discs, I should say, Different Stages Live. And it's uh, the fourth live record from Rush, correct? That's right, yep. And this one I, I thought was kind of uh, uh, kind of weird, Alex, when I heard this, that Getty did most of the work on this record as far as putting everything together and stuff like that. First of all, is that true? And if so, why did Getty get stuck with uh, going through all the tapes? Well, it's been a well. Actually, we did all all of that together. Um, 
we've recorded the last two tours, about 45 shows on each tour, and uh, that goes to uh, Robert Scoville, who is our live sound engineer. Mm-hmm. He kind of goes through the tapes, uh, whittles it down to what he feels are the 10 best shows, and then we take it from there. And in our case, we were very fortunate. Chicago happened to be one of those nights where the band was really on, right in the pocket. So the bulk of the material came from that one show. Once Paul Northfield, the engineer, established what the character of the live record was going to be, then it was just a matter of going through it. Um, you know, I went down a few times in the early stages, and you know, once I knew that everything was happening and fine, then. Uh, I kind of begged out. Ged lives about five minutes from the studio, so he didn't mind. Ged. Ged, as in Getty. Yeah. Yeah. Never heard mm-hmm. him referred to as Ged Oh, before. I have. I have, yeah. Oh. Yeah. in on a daily basis just to check on how things were going. Plus, it's been a very difficult period this last uh, year, and my heart was not in, in it as much as, as Ged's, and um, it became the thing that he needed to be focused on during this uh, period. I, I understand. Um, do you remember that Chicago show? Do you remember, um, was it that special of a night? Or yeah, I remember it being a particularly good night. It, um, it was at the World Amphitheater, and uh, Chicago is always a great place for us to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, as St. Louis says, we have certain cities in America that, uh, that have always been very special to us. And uh, the crowd was great. The hall sounded good. And as I said, it was one of those nights where the band was really in the pocket. And really, that only happens, you know, a handful of times in the course of a, an 80 or 90 show tour, you know, that you could say those five or six shows were just spot on. And I think for most people listening to three different nights, they wouldn't really be able to tell much of a difference. But to us, of course, you get a sense of, of that feel and that, uh, that uh, synchronicity, you know. Right. And that was one of those shows. So... You know, right before he goes into talking about the live shows, he said that his heart wasn't into it. Mm-hmm. I think this is what he was talking about. That was the death of Neil Peart's daughter. Yeah. Um, and then his wife died months later. So I'm I'm not sure if if it's just the daughter at this point in time or if it was, you know, both. But, you know, you can understand why, you know, your bandmate, somebody that you've known forever, is not into it. Right. You sure. Know? Do you think you guys, when you listen back to um, Exit Stage Left and All the World's a Stage and all that, do you do you feel that Rush is a better band today than you guys were 15, 20 years ago? We're certainly a different band. I think we're we're more uh, confident, and I think we're more um, well. There's a maturity in our playing that didn't exist in the past, and uh, I, I just I think it pulls us back a little bit. And again, it's that confidence of having done this for so many years. And knowing you have an audience that will follow you no matter what. True, <clears throat> true. You know? and, and they died in 1997, a year ago. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, before and this was recorded. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what the great thing is about this uh, retrospective live thing. Having the, the material from 1978 shows the real contrast of where the band's been in, in 20 years. Mm-hmm. The Hammersmith stuff, it's on the edge, it's all the tempos are a, little, are a little quicker. You know, you just got on stage, plugged in, and went for it. Whereas now it's a, it's a little more complex on stage. There are a lot more things to be aware of and to be cued into. Uh, so it's really quite a different approach in terms of the live energy. We're speaking mm. with Alex Leibson. That's really interesting. There. Yeah, he's, he's cool. He is. Smart yeah. guy. Yeah, it's, uh, talking about how early on it was pretty much adrenaline and, um, you know, flying by the seat of their yeah. pants and, you know, just just 
being who they were. And then as the time went on, they started figuring out how to make things even better yeah. and prepare in advance. And I wonder if that takes some, some of the spontaneity out of it, though. Some, uh, somewhat, I think yeah. it does. But I will say that what attracted me to Rush in the very beginning was his guitar. Mm-hmm. His tone, his guitar playing, it wasn't Getty's voice or the drumming aspect of things. It, it was Alex Lifeson's guitar. Yeah, because Getty's voice gets uh, it takes a little getting used to initially when yeah. you first hear the band. Yeah. So that's not, I think you're probably uh, very common uh, as far as that goes with a lot of people who said, well, you know, it wasn't Getty necessarily, yeah. but it was, uh, yeah, that the guitar work. Rush on KC95. And when you, and the, uh, the third disc on different stages is that Hammersmith Odeon concert from 1978 correct right in yeah. london boy I, I would imagine the first time that you and getty heard that you must have some big smiles on your faces because that's a matter of fact great man yeah we did um that show was originally recorded for a bbc special uh get had a cold that night and he went into the truck and listened to the first few songs and you know it takes his voice a little bit to warm up and uh he really wasn't happy with it it was a very relative thing you know we were playing on average, six nights a week at that time. So it was not one of our better nights. Those tapes went into storage. We came across them a few years ago when they were moving things around at the office and uh, took them into a studio and put them up. And and we're really quite surprised uh, with the level of energy and and how good it sounded. So that kind of sparked us uh, onto this whole uh, path of putting this retrospective together but we did have a lot of smiles you know the (laughs) material that we don't play a lot anymore uh that from that period of time so it was kind of fun to hear it i must say for me personally it's great to hear xanadu live yeah man you i mean uh, number one it's 11 minutes long on the on the album Was, was it longer in concert or do you remember, or was it uh, still still so much involved as it was on the record? Yeah, you know, I think when we first started touring that song, uh, it was probably three or four minutes longer. We extended the the opening and uh, had a little more fun with it uh, in the whole ethereal opening. But over the course of the years, we we medleyized it, <laughs> so we we'd mix it with Is that something a word? else. Medleyized. Medleyized. Yes. Wow, that's, that's cool. Hey, if everybody understands what you're saying, <laughs> it's a word. You know, and because it was such a long song, and we were limited with the, the time that we uh, could play. As a matter of fact, twenty one twelve was another example of that. We never played it in its entirety because we couldn't afford to give twenty two minutes or so of the set to one, basically one song. Right. Uh, so we always played a truncated version of it throughout. That's why, in my opinion, they need to still get out there and tour, even without Neil, and and do the first time around as a tribute, and after that, just keep going because there's so much great music that you know they can still perform, and you got Getty still being able to sing the vocals. I say, get out there, man. Why why let this catalog just wither away and just be performed by other people when the people who made the music are still able to do it. I agree to a certain extent, but at the same time, Rush fans identify with the drummer, Neil, identify with his lyrics. He was vital to the band, and, you know, that's why they don't want to do it, you know? Why they don't want to do it. Why, the, the fans the, don't, the, or the fans don't want the to fans, do it. The fans, I think, mean? would probably like, you know, they Hell obviously yeah. they would love to see Getty and Alex perform again, but at the same time, um, they don't want to go out with their bud. Yeah, yeah. Right now they don't. So. Years. Although they have said recently that they're thinking of getting together to do things, Alex yeah. and Getty. Yeah. Do something. Yeah. Don't know what it is. Yeah. Don't know if it would be called Rush. No. And it can't be new material, really, because Neil wrote the yeah. lyrics. Yeah. So it's got to be performing in some right. capacity. Right. 
tour and the uh, test for echo tour, being able to go out without an opening act and getting that extra hour worth of playing time, we were able to do all of 2112 and songs like uh, Natural Science, for example, which is also a long song. You know, you, you lead me straight into my next question, Alex. Thank you. Is Natural Science a Casey classic? Uh, I think it is. Okay. Yeah. So I got it on my list, but I don't yep. really ever play it because I'm, I'm always... It's longer. I'm always doubtful whether it's a Casey classic, but I guess it is. It is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, do, you, do you realize what it means to Rush fans to hear that song live? Or do you have any idea? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's... <laughs> that's really why we did it. You're talking about 2112? Yes. I'm yes. sorry, because I interrupted. I need to ask. Right. I'm sorry. Yep. We yep. wanted to play it, and we thought it would be great, but really for our audience, we knew the kind of weight it carries and thought that it would be just such a great thing to do. Now, it, it, did you, uh, you, you talked about the fact that you didn't have any opening acts on the Test for Echo Tour. Is that something you think uh, eventually when you guys, uh, hopefully, if and will, you go back out on the road that, that uh, you'll keep it like that? You won't take openers out so you can just stretch out and, and do whatever you want each night? Well, you know, we always felt it was very important to offer some kind of opportunity to young bands that were coming up, and that's what we did. Uh, but we felt after 20-some-odd years that maybe it was time to be a little selfish and, uh, and play a little bit more. I think in future we would probably do the same. Uh, it, with 20 albums, I mean, it's impossible to really get a good balanced cross-section of all the material without having at least a few hours to do it. Before Test of Racco, we all came in with our own little set lists, and we had over five hours of material. And we whittled that down to three and a half hours. Mm -hmm. And from there, we had to even cut it back another half hour. Wow. So uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that we would continue that way. Let me ask you a really stupid question, Alex. Obviously, Rush has made enough money in their lives where you probably don't have to worry about much, anything like this. But you recorded every night on the Test for Echo Tour. Is that expensive to do, man, for a band like you guys? Well, now it isn't. With uh, technology in the state that it's in, uh, it's much easier. In the past, with our past live records, you'd get a truck out, uh, you know, you'd set up behind the gig every night, and it would be really taking a chance, because you'd record seven to ten shows. You're so aware of the recording, there are always glitches that go on, so if you could get this song one night, that song another night, you know, that's sort of the way you put it together. Now, with recording equipment being so compact and mobile, you can take a setup with you every, on the road every night. Wow. Just fits in some road cases, plug it in, and away you go, and you don't even think about the recording. Hmm. And that's really the ideal. You don't, you don't want to think about a recording when you're playing live. Right, exactly. Let's switch gears and, and talk about where Rush is today. Of course, all Rush fans know that uh, within the last year and a half, I guess, Neil Peart's daughter was uh, killed in a car crash, and Neil's wife died earlier this year of breast cancer. How, how are all three of you just personally doing and handling with the situation, Alex? Well, I can't tell you how difficult it's been. Um, we're very, very close. Um, it's, it's been a terrible shock. Certainly for Neil, it's been uh, very difficult. He's slowly on the road to healing. He's got a plan in mind of how he can get his strength back and get his feet back on the ground. And I think it'll take time, but I think ultimately he has a great love of life. And uh, he will learn to, to, you know, get back on his feet again, I think. Of course, he'll be a changed person for it. Right. And, you know, for Getty and myself, it's been difficult as well. But we haven't really, you know, worried about that so much. It's been, it's been our concern for Neil mostly. But as I said, you know, time is a great healer. And uh, hopefully sometime in the new year we can sit down and talk about 
what sort of course we want to take right. for the future of the band. And, of course, he did heal, and they did go out again. He did. I read his book, uh, mm-hmm. Ghost Rider, I believe, and that's when he rode his motorcycle all the way up to Alaska, all mm-hmm. the way down to Cabo, and talked about the experiences that he had, and that was part of his way of just dealing with what happened. Yeah. I mean, I mean you can't, can't imagine what that's like. No, I mean, to, for him to unplug like that completely yeah. and get out on the roadways back then. And that was before, well, no, I guess the cell phones. I don't know if there were cell phones around 97 or 98? I, I don't uh, know. If they, they were, but they're, the network wasn't built out like it is no. now. So there were a lot of times he was income in non-communicative with any anybody. Yes. You know, they didn't know where he was for the longest yeah. time. Every mm-hmm. once in a while, you'd hear from they'd hear from him. He sent a postcard. Like, oh, still or alive. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you guys, yeah, you haven't even talked about anything regarding Rush as far as music or. No, or it, it's too premature, really, to talk about that. I, I know with Neil, it's not a priority on his list right now. He's right. rebuilding his whole life, right. and you know that's the band isn't important in the whole scheme of things right now. He needs to get strong again and and be able to function as uh, as you know close to the the human being that he was before we'll even talk about the band. I know it's on his mind and I know he wants to address the situation at some point, but right now he's he's building the foundation again. And it's nice to be in a situation where you can do that. Yes. You know, he was in a band that was already successful and right. you know, he was able to you know, take some time off. Although the, the 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 years or whatever that any band ends up not being able to do what they do is is time lost, right. money lost, and time right, lost. Right. So it's expensive. Yeah, yeah. How did you deal with it, Alex? Do you have family that you can just uh, rely on, or did you do something to vent your um, feelings, or or how does Alex Lyson deal with well a tragedy like this? I. I guess I ran to their aid. I spent a lot of time with Jackie, uh, Neil's wife, um, in those first couple of weeks. It, it was a very... What? Keep going. Oh. ...training experience and very difficult. And, you know, I made it my goal to, to help her. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. It, it was a very depressing time and a very difficult thing to shake. And you couldn't stop thinking about them and, right. and what they were going through. It's a It's a... An experience, I think, that I've come out with a different feeling about people who are in a situation like that. I feel differently about death and how to deal with people that are surrounded by it. Most people are very, very afraid of dealing with it. And your true colors come out in a situation like this. There were were certain people around them, and, you know, they'll live in Neil's heart forever. And there were others that were just too frightened by the whole thing. And it's, uh, it's an interesting experience to go through, one that... You don't really want to repeat, but I think if I ha- do, I'm I'm better prepared for it. Right. Now let me uh, let's 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 get away from that now and talk about. Uh, did I hear something? The fact that you might have a solo record coming out, or were you going to work on some stuff, or did I totally misread that somewhere? Well, you know, t- to be honest, I found it very difficult to get motivated to do any kind of music, writing, or playing. I, I hadn't played my guitar in a long time. I have a club here in Toronto, and I would uh, go down and play on the weekends with with the house band, but Really, for the last year, I, I probably went down once or twice. Really? But in the last month or so, I've just been, uh, I don't know, re-energized by the whole thing. And uh, I have a couple of things, a band out of Vancouver that's uh, planning to go in the studio shortly. I may produce a record for them. I got a couple anybody of... Anybody we know? Is it anybody we know? I, you know, I don't really want to say right now because uh, it's we're still a little w- bit away from okay. nailing the deal. Okay. But uh, they're, they're a young band, r- really good. 
uh, I think it would be a great experience. Um, I got a couple of scripts to give some thought to doing some uh, soundtrack work for hmm. film, and then my Victor was a great experience for me as right, well. I really was, enjoyed that doing that. Was that. A good record, man. And I'd like to do that again. Uh, and I, I plan to. Whether it's going to be in the next month or so, I'm not sure. But eventually, I'll, I'll get around to doing that. All right. So, what's your handicap in golf? We want to know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm about a 13 right now. Are you? So, what? You shoot about 85, 86? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, anywhere from 82 to 86. Yeah. Now that's where I was for a yeah. while. Yeah. Very similar. Yeah. Is, 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 do you do that every day when you're on the road? If you have time, do you play? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the suck, man. being You're so lucky. Being on the road is the perfect vehicle for getting your golf game in shape. I mean, touring is a, really, it's a very boring existence. You're pumped for those three hours that you work, but for the other 21 hours, you're waiting for those three hours. So if you can get yourself out and doing something that's, that's distracting and takes a lot of time, then, you know, you're much healthier for it. Right. And golf is perfect. You're out there for four or five hours. You're on a beautiful golf course outside. It's great. It just sets the tempo for the whole day. So I've become quite addicted to uh, <laughs> playing golf on the road. How, how, so whenever they would come to St. Louis, they would play it at Private Country Club. Mm -hmm. You know, they play it at uh, St. Louis Country Club. I know that. They played Belle Reve. Mm -hmm. uh, they would eat also. My, my friend uh, uh, fed them one night, uh, Eric Brenner. He said they ate like Vikings. <laughs> He said that, that that was the term he used. Getty Lee and Alex Lifeson came in, and they had wine and, and everything, and it was just really cool. Oh, Alex is a golfer, too. I mean, uh, uh, Getty's a golfer, too. I don't think he – I'm not sure. Because I never really heard any talk, no, talk about uh, him playing. But but maybe he played along with Alex. I don't know. Yeah, but, yeah. but I know they would dine together. Or at least he'd sure. meet him in the clubhouse yeah. for dinner or something for lunch. <laughs> yeah. I've been playing for seven years now. Really? So have you played like Pebble Beach and uh, yeah, uh, really? Yeah, so what I've about, played so many great courses. What about Augusta? Did you play Augusta? No, I didn't play Augusta, but uh, I've become friends with uh, Lee Jansen over the last five years. Ah, very, very good. And uh, Lee's promised me two tickets this year. And as a matter of fact, I just booked my hotel uh, yesterday, so All right. uh, I'm looking forward to it this year. Well, I'll tell you what, man. Can you imagine walking around the grounds of Augusta? CNN. You're already on uh, Augusta National, one of the most hallowed grounds in the in the country, as far as golfers are concerned. And you turn around, and there's Alex Lifeson of Rush <laughs> standing there. Talk about a double yeah, double treat. That would have been weird. Let's come back to town. There's a couple people here that want to take you and uh, Getty on in a scramble. Well, Where actually, I played. Um, is it Bell Reeves? Bell Reeves. Oh, yeah, yeah I played oh. there a couple of times, uh, and it is a beautiful. Yeah, golf that's course. an old course too. Yeah, that's a nice course. Yeah. Well, uh, it's good to talk to Alex Lifeson any time, but it's always good to talk about golf and Rush and, <laughs> and, and the, new, uh, the new different stages, three CDs, live disc, and if you don't have it by now, I don't know what the hell you're waiting for. It's a great one. Alex, uh, thanks for talking, or, uh, calling Casey today and uh, hanging out, and, and good luck in the future, man. My pleasure, guy. All right. Alex, thanks, man. My pleasure. Have yeah. a very happy holiday. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Nice man. There you go. Yeah, he's a nice guy. Yeah, he and Getty, they would do all the... Uh, Media stuff. All of it. Yeah. And uh, Neil, Neil never Neil, did a, uh, a drop of it. Yeah. Rarely. Once in a while, yeah. he would do something. Yeah, you'd but... see him on TV. I, you know, that's why when you would see him, you'd go, wow, there's Neil yeah. Peart. I want to hear what he has to say. Yeah. You know, but no. Yeah. And they were always very nice. Both of them very nice people. So, yeah, you didn't, this was not one of those uh, 10, minute, 10 minute window interviews where he hopped off from you and went yeah. to another radio station and had to. Right. It was, this was, this was, you had him this as long as you wanted us. him. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. calling Casey in specific. It was cool. Yeah. Good interview. It was fun.
Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I didn't remember, uh, as I said, I didn't remember talking to him, but I certainly didn't remember talking to him about what happened with Neil's wife and daughter, who they both tragically died within a year, and uh, it was right on the heels of that. So, and some people might say that's kind of well, that's egotistic. What do you mean you don't remember talking to Alex Lifeson of Rush? It was it's weird back then because these guys were somewhat available on a semi regular basis, Mm -hmm. so. You're going to forget maybe uh, yeah. of a conversation here or there. I know I've forgotten some of the people I've talked to over the years. Yeah, and uh, I I wish there was I wish there were tapes. There's of it, probably you know? others that I've forgotten Absolutely. about that I'll, that I'll sure find that I'll discover. But I'm glad I found this one for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, there you go. That's episode 140 of the Casey Tapes. I'm John Hewlett. You can follow me on Twitter at STLU Man and on Instagram. I'm Johnny Hewlett. See you around. AMF. Bye. The Casey Tapes with you, man, and Favaz. For more on the history of Casey, go to Casey95.com or the Casey mobile app.